This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader. I hope all of you are having fantastic, what are we on, Wednesdays? Um, we got a lot to dive into with you. Uh, college football gambling picks designed to make all of you rich. Uh, we got masking. I told you, when there are no consequences for being wrong, then the people who were wrong will continue to be wrong, and that is what is going on with the idea of masking kindergartners. kindergartners. I'll talk about it. Caleb Williams, USC starting quarterback. His dad says, maybe I won't go pro. Howard Stern wants COVID lockdowns back again. Mina, Kime, Mina Kimes at ESPN gets $2 million plus, according to the New York Post. We will discuss. No one is drinking Bud Light. Uh, and more... Uh, we've got a lot to discuss there. What is the impact of the charter ESPN uh, shutdown on ESPN's ratings? It seems fairly seismic, but we want to begin, or I want to begin, with one small correction. Yesterday, I shared a letter from Rosemary Hills Elementary School uh, saying that their kids inside of the school were going to be required to mask for the next 10 days, the N95 masks, uh, because there were a couple of kids, three, I believe, that had tested positive for COVID in the classroom. I said in that tweet that it was a third grade. It's actually a kindergarten, okay? I wanted to get the teacher's name wiped out so the teacher's name wasn't on the letter. Uh, it's actually a kindergarten classroom. So as ridiculous and insane as it is to make third graders wear masks over COVID, N95 masks. This school, Rosemary Hills Elementary, is actually making kindergartners, four- and five-year-olds, wear masks, N95 masks, which are very uncomfortable to wear for the next 10 days, except for when they eat or drink. These mask people are lunatics. Their brains are broken. They refuse to look at all the studies that Cochrane Review at the absolute apex. Credit to CNN for calling out Dr. Fauci on this recently. But even the White House, and this is important, Joe Biden, his wife, Dr. Jill Biden, has tested positive for COVID. I believe it's the third time that she's tested positive for COVID, despite the fact that she's had like eight COVID shots. Um, and I think just recently got another one. Joe Biden yesterday, I want to give credit to Captain Larry Taylor of Signal Mountain, Tennessee, who was awarded the Medal of Honor for his behavior in Vietnam. Uh, this is an incredible honor for Captain Larry Taylor. Well-deserved Medal of Honor at a White House ceremony yesterday. Joe Biden didn't wear a mask, despite the fact that yesterday, Corinne Jean-Pierre said, Joe Biden would be wearing a mask indoors all the time. Uh, the White House press secretary, KJP, came out and said, well, Biden had powerful statements to make uh, during that proceeding, and he didn't want to refuse to wear, he didn't want to wear his mask as a result. So if you have powerful statements to make, you don't have to wear 
a mask. Well, just a few moments ago, Joe Biden came out again, and maybe we can add these different video uh, segments in. Joe Biden came out and said, they tell me that I need to be wearing this mask, but I'm not going to do it, basically. And he had one in his hand, and he asked the press corps to tell everybody that he was actually wearing it when he walked in. What's going on here? Joe Biden is directly refuting what his own White House has said that he's going to be doing. And he's making the decision not to follow the CDC guidance for the next 10 days and wear a mask when he's indoors at all times. I actually think that Biden shouldn't wear a mask because the data reflects that they are worthless. But what's Joe Biden doing here? The White House is saying he's going to be wearing one, and they keep making exceptions for why he's not. And Senator Ted Cruz just tweeted this out. Why does Joe Biden have the ability to defy the guidance that the White House is putting out, but none of these kindergartners at a Montgomery County, Maryland school are able to make the same decision, and none of their parents are able to make the same decision? This is why I'm going to keep hammering this, okay? Masks are, the data reflects, worthless against COVID. This is an argument I made two years ago on behalf of my own kids wearing masks at their school, their public school here in Williamson County where I live. It's the same argument I would make on behalf of all of your kids, grandkids, and also on behalf of all of you. You should never have to wear a mask indoors. Why is Joe Biden defying the White House's own prescriptions here and why is this not a bigger story we talked about dr fauci getting called out by cnn credit to cnn for finally doing so but this is what happens when there are no consequences everybody that made your kids and i want you to look at me closely on this everybody that made your kids wear masks and that kept your kids from being in school and doing remote learning because they said it wasn't safe for kids to be in school, all of those people still have their jobs. All of those teachers, all of those school union officials, all of those politicians, everybody who got it wrong on COVID, all of the politicians who said, we got to take the rims off of the basketball hoops outside. We have to fill in the skate parks with sand. We have to put crime scene tape around the playgrounds outdoors. We have to arrest paddleboarders out in the ocean by themselves. We have to arrest anybody who goes to beaches. We have to arrest anybody who opens their restaurant. All of these people, they kept their power. There were no consequences for them being wrong. And if there are no consequences, do you know what's going to happen? They're going to exert their power in the exact same way as soon as they have the opportunity to do it again. And this is why those of us with functional brains have to stand up and say, we will not comply any longer. If any place that you go and spend money at, any business, tries to put in a mask mandate, go somewhere else immediately turn around and walk out. If any medical facility that you go to requires that you wear a mask to enter, 
I would submit you should turn and go elsewhere because all of this is coming. They're going to try to put your kids back in masks. They're going to try to put masks back on you to go on an airplane flight or to walk into a friggin' Costco or to go to a restaurant. Remember the era of walking into a restaurant when they made you wear the mask when you walked in? And as soon as you were seated, you could miraculously take your mask off and eat and drink to your heart's content. All of that is going to come back unless you stand against it. I pledge to you that you will not see me in a mask anywhere. I'm going to refuse. I'm not going to do it. And I want every single one of you to make the same pledge. Never again. We are not going to allow these COVID tyrants to take control of our behavior and make us engage in this anti-science lunacy. We're not going to do it. They were wrong, and we are not going to allow them to do it to us again. Period. All right. Uh, Much less consequential, but much more fun. I've got my gambling picks for all of you for week two. We went 12-6, and as I discussed yesterday. A very solid debut. I want to go 14-0 and this week and keep things rolling in a significant fashion. All right, so here we go. Uh, picks start this way. Vanderbilt at Wake Forest, the over 57 and a half. Vandy gave up 28 to Hawaii, 13 to Alabama A&M. Wake Forest gave up 17 to Elon last week. Both teams are going to score 30. The overs to play. Nebraska plus the points at Colorado. My buddies are going to be in Boulder for big noon uh, at at 10 a.m. Eastern on Saturday. I will be on Big Noon uh, as well this coming Saturday. Looking forward to it. For people who have asked, I'm going to be on several different weeks this year. I'm trying to travel less. I was on the road for a full month for the book release. I'm trying to stay home for the entire month of September so that I can go to all my kids' sporting events, so that I can be at the flag football games, so that I can be at the soccer matches, so I can be at the football games my seventh grader is playing, trying to travel less. Going to be on the road a lot in October, trying to travel less, but I will be on Big Noon, scheduled to be. uh, I've got Nebraska plus three and a half at Colorado. Going to be a huge audience. Deion Sanders goes for 2-0. and I'm taking, yes, Nebraska Cornhuskers, despite the fact that it seems like they have snatched defeat from the jaws of victory so many different times. Uh, I am going to hop in there. Texas A&M. I've got a prediction for you. I think there are going to be more Aggie fans at Miami than there are Miami Hurricane fans. I like Texas A&M minus four and a half at Miami. Uh, I think Bobby Petrino's offense continues to roll, and the Aggies are 2-0. and Iowa at Iowa State, I'm taking the over 36 and a half. I understand Iowa can never score points. Last year's Iowa-Iowa State Cyhawk game 10-7 was the final. I'm telling you, I think we're going to hit the over here, 36 and a half. Speaking of 36 and a half, I'm taking UNLV 
on the road at Michigan. The Wolverines didn't look that great offensively. Jim Harbaugh still out. I think that uh, Barry Odom, new head coach of UNLV, can get it done. I like Michigan 38-14. That means UNLV covers the number. Ole Miss at Tulane. This is now a battle of top 25 teams. Don't underestimate how good Tulane is. I think the number is going over. I am hopping all in on the over 64 and a half. Kent State at Arkansas. Love the Razorbacks minus 37 and a half. Like the Razorbacks. KJ Jefferson is back in case you forgot. Kent State gave up 50 plus last week to Central Florida. I think they give up 45 or more against uh, the Razorbacks. I like the Razorbacks to cover this big number. Oregon at Texas Tech. I'm taking the over 66 and a half. App State plus 18 and a half at UNC and the over 58 and a half. Um, This is going to be a big swing game. I'm either going to look like a genius on this one or lose both. Uh, Texas. We got Texas going to Alabama in what is clearly the biggest game of the weekend down in Tuscaloosa. I like Texas plus the points. I was at this game last year with Big Noon in Austin. Texas should have won this game. Bryce Young made a lot of plays late. Sorry, Longhorn fans, for bringing up. yet a perfect blitz called. Clear shot at the quarterback. Bryce Young slipped it, scrambled, made a hell of a play. May well have changed the outcome on that specific play. Alabama stayed alive. I like Texas plus the seven. Sark keeps it close late and gives the Longhorns a chance to win. SMU at Oklahoma. Congrats to SMU joining the ACC next year. I like the over 69 and a half in this one. Arizona at Mississippi State, minus nine. Uh, The Bulldogs get it done down in Stark Vegas. And Auburn at California, the over, I'm going with 54 and a half. And it's time to tap the veins, boys and girls. Blood bank guarantee I am going with the over 54 and a half. That is 14 winners for all of you. Those picks are up at outkick.com. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling with Outkick, and you don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. Uh, By the way, I was at the game over the weekend. I meant to mention it. I went out. We had an awesome post-game party. Appreciate all of you that I met the Tennessee at UVA game last week. I didn't see a single person drinking Bud Light. Not one person at all the tailgates. I barely even saw any Bud Lights. I'm going to be on the road a lot eventually during the college football season. I don't think I'm going to see Bud Lights being consumed anywhere in the SEC region. They are basically wiped out. Used to be a staple of the tailgate scene. Bud Light has so destroyed its brand that I don't think you will see them anywhere. Uh, A lot of discussion. I saw OutKick writing about this. I know that it is a story uh, up on the New York Post. A wide variety of different opinions on this story, believe it or not. Mina Kimes uh, is getting reportedly $2 million or more 
to work at ESPN. Uh, and a lot of people are reacting and saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe she's getting $2 million plus. Here's my take on this. I don't believe that I have gone after anyone who's getting paid uh, for some time. And let me explain why that is. Uh, every employer will do their best to pay you as little as they can in your life. I have experienced it. I have been a business owner. I understand both perspectives. I don't begrudge anyone working hard in any field who maximizes the amount of money that they can make. I have said this for years and years now. People want to get mad at Skip Bayless, or they want to get mad uh, at Stephen A. Smith or Colin Cowherd. I don't begrudge anyone making the most money that they possibly can uh, because they work hard and the goal of a capitalist is to maximize your earnings. So I don't blame Mina Kimes. If ESPN thinks she is worth $2 million, more power to Mina Kimes or anybody else who gets multi-million dollar salaries. I'm a capitalist. I'm in favor of it. By the way, same thing for NIL or anybody else. I want all of you to be rich. I have been poor. It is better to be rich. I'm going to be honest with you. I am very happy to be rich myself. It is better than being poor. It's nice to know that you can afford to take care of your family and to pay the mortgage. And I don't begrudge anybody who works their ass off and gets paid, so I have no issues with Mina Kimes getting paid. What I will say is Mina Kimes has left-wing political opinions. More power to her. She's entitled to her political opinions, just like I'm entitled to mine. I don't think she would get paid $2 million a year if she were a Trump supporter. That's wrong. All right? I think that everybody should be able to say whatever they think under the sun, and they should only be judged based on the quality of their work, not whatever their political opinions are. Sage Steele just left ESPN because they wouldn't allow her to say what she believed in her private life. I don't even know who Sage Steele votes for, but I think she should be able to share her political opinions outside of work. I think the same thing for Mina Kimes. ESPN is clearly setting the precedent that if you have left-wing opinions, they will pay you millions of dollars. If you don't have left-wing opinions, they will fire you. I think that's wrong. And I think that's everything that's wrong with sports media. So, congratulations to Mina Kimes on the new deal. More power to her. She works hard. ESPN has decided she's worth that money. But I would love to see someone on the right paid that kind of money by ESPN who is outspoken in their private life with political opinions that are the exact opposite of Mina Kimes. I'd love to see it. I haven't seen it yet. I doubt that I ever will. That's my issue. Treat everybody the same. Regardless of who they vote for for president, if they're good at their job, Sage Steele was really good at her job. She got suspended for questioning the COVID shot. Had to leave. Mina Kimes, super left wing, woke political opinions, 
she gets paid. I think this is everything that's wrong with Disney. If I were Bob Iger, don't have as much money as Bob Iger. Getting closer than I used to be. Don't have as much money as Bob Iger. If I were Bob Iger and I actually cared about appealing to the entire nation, I would come out and say, open forum, by the way, Bob Iger. Open forum to come on any outkick platform. You can make the case for why charters treating your company unfairly. I'll let you make your case. But if I were Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, I would come out not even remotely challenged at all. I don't understand how this is not the position of everybody and say everybody of every political opinion, if they do their work at a high level, is going to be employed inside of my company. I think it's embarrassing that he's allowed the woke virus to spread as it has. He's got more money than he can ever spend. I don't understand why he wouldn't come out and try to defend the overall policies at Disney. Um, Speaking of, uh, I was talking earlier about parents. I saw this story and I thought it was fascinating. Uh, Caleb Williams, I believe, is going to be the overall number one pick. By the way, I got something wrong more than one. By the way, I get a lot of things wrong, and I try to correct them when I get facts wrong. I thought that uh, Drake May was a true sophomore. Drake May is actually a redshirt sophomore. That means that he is eligible for the 2024 draft. I believe I said on Monday's show that Drake May was a true sophomore. I whiffed on that. He said I thought they played him as a true freshman last year. Evidently, he was a redshirt freshman, set for a year. Last year, he was a redshirt freshman. This year, he's a redshirt sophomore. This is relatively rare, by the way. It's relatively rare to redshirt elite talent because it means you might only have them for two years. So uh, so Drake May, North Carolina star quarterback, is eligible to be drafted in 2024 next spring as well, as is Caleb Williams. And as a result, they may well go one and two overall before all is said and done. But Caleb Williams' dad came out and said, depending on who drafts him number one overall, Maybe he won't go pro. Now, let me say this. I think this is being a good dad, okay? Uh, Dads and moms should be looking out for what are relatively young kids making not even just multi-million dollar decisions. This could potentially be a hundred million dollar decision. And uh, I understand the decision to put that out there into the ecosystem. And this is not something new. Remember that... uh, Back in the day, I believe it was John Elway's dad, really didn't want John Elway to be drafted. I don't even remember who the team it was, but he ended up on the Denver Broncos. He got involved. Archie Manning also did not want, I believe it was the San Diego Chargers, to draft Eli Manning, so he got involved and helped to ensure that Eli went to the Giants. If Caleb Williams believes that the Arizona Cardinals are a poorly run franchise and he doesn't want his son to go there, there is a precedent of dads being involved and deciding to throw their weight around and help to ensure that their kids end up in the best possible scenario for success. Given the fact that Caleb Williams, I believe, is only 19 or 20 years old, I don't think that's a bad play. Having said that, the math on this is so much different now than it was, for instance, when Peyton Manning or Tim Tebow went back for their senior years. From a pure mathematics perspective, you have to get your son into the NFL 
whenever they are ready to play, presuming that they are physically ready uh, whenever you can, because getting to that second contract, there's legitimately money that you are leaving on the table that you can never make back. And unless your family is already worth tens of millions, hundreds of millions, whatever the math is, then this is a really difficult thing to stare down. Because you make a lot of money with your guaranteed contract. Let's say, and I don't even know what the math is, but I think if you go number one overall, you're guaranteed basically like 60 or $70 million nearly now. And that's a lot of money, and that's more money than almost everybody will see in their whole lives of work for four or five years. I believe it's still four years guaranteed first year with a fifth-year option. So you're talking about 50, 60 million plus guaranteed. Um, but that's not even the, the apex of it. Then you get into your second contract. If you are really good, you're going to make more than 50 million a year. By the time Caleb Williams gets to that number, it might be 75 million a year. And the faster you get through your rookie contract, the faster you get to that second contract, which is where you make earth-shattering money. Let me be clear. 50 or $60 million is amazing. It's nice to have. It's a pinprick of how much money you can make on the second contract. And this is why, as a dad, I actually think dads and moms should be more involved with college deals than they are pro deals. Get your kid in the best possible scenario for college football, even if it doesn't mean the most money, because whatever you make on NIL is a pinprick of what a successful quarterback or a successful wide receiver, offensive lineman, defensive end, it's a pinprick of what you can make in the pros. Nothing wrong with making a couple of million dollars. It's very desirable to make a million dollars. A lot of people out there, number one goal, I, I used to dream of being a millionaire. Okay, nothing wrong with it. It's great to be a millionaire. It's a lot better to be a hundred millionaire and even better than a hundred millionaire is a billionaire. And there are athletes now. I bet Peyton Manning is a billionaire now. I, I, I legitimately bet he is. Um, if you, and certainly I bet Tom Brady is also. And I think Patrick Mahomes will end up a billionaire. LeBron James, billionaire. Tiger Woods, billionaire. It's great to be a millionaire. It's a lot better to be a hundred millionaire it's even better to be a billionaire. So I think the math on Caleb Williams is going to be that he needs to go pro at the end of this year. Same thing with Drake May. Uh, but I don't think it's wrong for a dad or a mom or an educated, sophisticated advisor to be looking out for a kid when the kid's super busy uh, otherwise playing the sport. Uh, I, I think you do need those advisors that you can trust. A couple of other things. What's the impact of charter? I mentioned earlier, hey, Bob Iger, we got one of the biggest audiences in America at OutKick. You want to make your argument for why charter needs to cover ESPN? We'll cover it. We'll allow you to make your argument and uh, more power to you. I think charter's decision makes sense. I'm going to do a long form write-up on this. I'm going to try to do it today. Uh, super busy, as many of you are. I got to see what my kid's schedule is after school. Um, I got a ton of different interviews. I think I'm on... Withrow and Uddin's hot mic show uh, today. I got a lot of different moving parts, all right? A couple of business calls. This is what my life is like on a day-to-day -day basis now. Uh, but college football ratings, ABC, 
down 41% in viewership. Uh, ESPN, down 44% in viewership. Game Day, down 18% in viewership. College football ratings on Fox skyrocketed, including Big Noon, the show that I'm a part of, increasing its ratings in week one by 22% over last year. Big Noon up 22%, Game Day down 18%. And I would say to all of you, I'm going to be on Big Noon today. If the charter lockout continues and you're a big college football fan, flip it over to Fox, the Big Fox Network, and you will see me and Matt Leiner and Reggie, uh, sorry, and uh, Mark Ingram and Brady Quinn and Rob Stone and Urban Meyer and the Bear Chris Felica and who knows, uh, however, other many people that will also be on. But it will be a Tom Rinaldi. It'll be a really good collection of talent. I think you will enjoy our pregame show as well. Um, they're going to be out at Boulder. But there's no doubt that this is having a major impact. The loss of 15 million subscribers is having to ESPN because it knocks them down to being in just a little bit over 50 million households right now. We'll see how all of this shakes out. Final story here. Howard Stern wants COVID lockdowns again. And I want to make sure that I get this quote right because I saw this and I couldn't quite believe it. Uh, Bobby Barak does great work for us at OutKick. Uh, a caller asked Howard Stern if he planned to return to his studio after spending the last three years at his home to evade COVID. I'm reading Bobby's story at OutKick. Stern said no. In fact, he's more worried now. I'm going crazy with this. This is a Stern quote. My wife yelled at me last night. We got into a fight. You know how paranoid I am about getting COVID. I haven't gotten it, and I'm pretty safe, and I really don't want to get it. Everyone goes, don't worry. It's just a cold for me. It'll probably be way worse. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm the lucky one who will completely fall apart. Uh, and says he believes uh, that he wants there to be a new lockdown. Howard Stern spent two and a half years, two and a half years refusing to go out for dinner over COVID. This isn't healthy. I feel sorry for all of these people. This is what Dr. Fauci has created. This is what Democrats have created, an unhealthy and unjustifiable fear of a virus that for almost everyone is completely without consequence. But as I said earlier in this show, this is what we have created. When you don't hold politicians accountable for lockdowns, when you don't hold them accountable for masks, when you don't hold them for accountable for shutting down our country, then they are willing to do it all again. And in fact, it's what their Democrat base is going to call for. Resist. Don't allow it to happen. I promise you that you will not see me in a mask anywhere. Uh, my name is Clay Travis. DBAP unless you need to SBAP. This has been OutKick, the show.